Hello and welcome to the third of our geography podcast in which uh, Mrs Giddings is going to attempt to try and teach me something about which I know absolutely nothing. What are we doing today? We are going to look at wave types and longshore drift on coastlines. All right. So for the for the purposes of this then, if we're talking about coastal stuff, is this is this anywhere where there's the sea? Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. It's really important for the current Year Eleven coursework as right. well. Um, so everywhere we've been looking at in Bridlington, Mapleton, and Scarborough, this very much applies. Um, but yes, it applies to any coast, any part of the world. Okay. All right. So let's let's just kick off with the main thing then. We are obviously, I assume, dealing with the action of the waves on the land. Yeah. That's what. Okay. Okay. Um, and we're actually looking at the characteristics of the waves first, and then right. once we know about the waves, we can figure out what's happening with longshore drift and how it transports material. Okay. So uh, do you want to talk to me about waves then? Yes. What, what What do we need to know about waves? Okay. There's two types of waves. There's destructive waves right. and constructive waves. Okay. And they have different characteristics. Some people find it a lot easier to remember one set of characteristics and then you would remember that it's the opposite for the other type of wave type. Okay. Some people just prefer to do a table in the head of what's what. And right. I'm just going to go through each of them separately. Okay. So, all right then, uh, talk to me about a destructive wave. What are destructive waves? Okay, these are your big beastly waves that you find in on stormy days when it's really, really windy, it's absolutely chucking it down with rain you go down to the north bay and you see the wave dodgers risking their lives with the really big waves coming over the seawall and they are the destructive waves and what you're seeing there is um, a big wave height and you've got a low wave length and the reason for that is because we've got really strong winds it's blowing the winds the waves along and it's making them much bigger because they've got more energy going into it because of the wind and all the energy has been put into making it really big in height and mm-hmm. so the waves come along a lot quicker so hence why you get a low wavelength so in a low wavelength the waves are coming faster yeah right. yeah and so therefore your frequency is between about 10 and 15 every minute Okay. So if you were to count it, you actually stood on the seafront and you counted the waves, you would say about 10 to 15, maybe even more sometimes, breaking. Okay. Um, Why are they called destructive then? Right, the whole point of that is because they destroy beaches. Right. So because they've got loads of energy, they have something called a backwash and a swash. And the backwash is just the removal of um, the wave off the beach. So right. it's moving material away from the beach. The swash is the material moving up the beach, so the wave breaking onto the beach. Okay. And the, pop- the, the, the reason why it's destructive is because the energy is stronger on the backwash. It hasn't got much energy for depositing material, so it's not building beaches up. It's no. actually got the energy to take material away. Oh, I see. And it actually erodes the beach, and you end up with a steep beach. And presumably, this is these are the same sort of waves that are going to do a lot of damage to headlands yes. and things like that yeah, as well. Yeah, so we're coming on to that later. Yeah, we'll all right, come on okay, to that fine. much later. All right. So, all right then. That, is, there, is there anything else I need to know about destructive waves? Um, no, you don't really. Just that they've got a steep beach, they've yeah. got a big wave height, they've got a big wave frequency, and a low wave length. Okay. Do you tend to get them more in certain places than you do in others? Um, it depends on your coastline. So right. some waves appear to look like destructive waves because they're in a rocky area. So mm-hmm. around the headland, for example, mm-hmm. there isn't actually a beach there, so it looks like you've got destructive waves. It just depends on the, we- um, the weather. So if you're in a, a stormier area, then yeah. you would see more destructive waves. Okay. Or if you've got an area where you've got a big fetch, so the fetch is the distance the waves had to travel... 
So, for example, okay. if you live in Newquay, you expect to see big waves because the waves had to travel quite a big distance. So that can affect it as well. But it's mainly to do the weather. When, we, when we're saying a distance, where do we mean from? Um, so if we're looking at Newquay, the waves effectively travelled all the way over from the United States. Wow. Yeah. And really? that's why wow. Hawaii has really big waves because it's got the whole Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, I've got that. Yeah. All right, so then I assume you were saying that... Uh, a constructive wave is the opposite of that. So yeah. let me see if I can do this then. Okay. In theory then, a constructive wave will have a a high wavelength. Yeah. So you're getting fewer waves. Yeah. Um, it will be depositing material. Yeah. So the backwash isn't going to be as strong yeah. as the swash. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, what else have I missed? Would they be low? Would they look low yeah, they instead would look of low. high? Yeah, yeah. You expect the gentle wave condition, so you're not going to see when you look out to sea. You're not going to see white water. Right. Okay. It's going to look really quite calm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd see the up down motion of the waves. So you see but, a swell, but you yeah. won't see white caps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the frequency for this one is less than ten every minute. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you've got that exactly right. Right. Yeah, and so we're building the beaches up because the swash is strong, so we're depositing, and it doesn't have the energy to take material away on the backwash. Okay. I always say to remember it um, with constructive waves. You've got your heavy shopping. You've only got energy to run up onto the beach and drop your your heavy shopping. Mm-hmm. Destructive waves. You've got loads of energy behind you. You really want to destroy things. You're going to come in. You're going to throw your your shopping down, and then you've got energy to go around, pick it all up quickly, and go back mm-hmm. up to see again. All right, lovely. All right, we've got those two types of waves down. What's the next thing we need to do? We are going to do longshore drift. And this is about the transportation of the material. So once we started picking up material from the beach, it gets transported down the coast. It doesn't stay in one place. And that is the movement of longshore drift. So this is all about your swash going up the beach. Yeah. And the direction of your swash is actually quite variable. It depends on something called the prevailing wind. And the prevailing wind is the stronger, more dominant wind in that area, and that can change. Once the material's been washed up onto the beach, it's then taken back out again with backwash at 90 degrees, and that's always at 90 degrees to the beach. Okay, so if I've got a beach that faces dead north to south, mm-hmm. the wave comes onto it, yeah. it'll the backwash will pull the material off the beach, yeah. and then it will go... At 90 degrees to the beach, so it will go straight out yeah. to the east. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is all about the sediment movement, and it's really important in the construction of beaches. So if you've got obstacles in the way, such as uh, wooden groins, which are sea defences that stick mm-hmm. out into the sea, it actually slows down longshore drift because it traps the material. So in terms of things like your cast work, um, or if you got asked a question to do with um, the impacts of um, sea defences, what the disadvantages are, it actually stops beaches being formed lower down the, the coastline. And it can actually be really bad. That can in, um, increase erosion in some places. But so, from a tourist point of view, it's good it's because good, it yeah. keeps the beach where yeah, it is. Yeah, right. okay. so longshore drift is really important. It builds up that beach. Um, and that's really important. Obviously, when we've got these destructive waves, we need to have sand being put on the beaches at some point, mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to completely lose your beach. Um, so, yeah, it moves the material along. And that's why beaches don't necessarily reflect the geology at the exact point, geology being the rock type. Yeah. So people who've been on the trip to look at Bridlington, Mappleton, Scarborough, they'll have seen at Bridlington, 
we were in a clay area, yet there was lots of pebbles on the beach. Right. And those have come down from, from Flamborough Head, which is oh, further I north. See. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's all to do with the geology as well, so depending on what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all Longshore Drift is. So it's okay. just the movement of material down the coast. So Longshore Drift is the material of the material sorry, is the movement of the material taken off the beach by uh, the destructive waves. And the and constructive it- waves, yeah. But surely the constructive waves are putting it back. It's putting it back, but it's all through that process of longshore drift. It can only yeah. put it back, put it back if there's swash, right. and that's part of the longshore drift. Okay. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Lovely. Right. And as I said, the direction of it de- de- is determined by the the wind direction. So you've got prevailing wind that's going from uh, north to south. That's the direction you'd see the longshore drift. If yeah. it's going the opposite direction, you'd see it going a different movement up the coast. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, also your geology that you see on the beach is determined by the areas that it's coming from. If it's coming from the south and you've got a lot more um, resistant rock, then you're going to see quite jagged rocks on the beach. Resistant rock? Um, so it can't be eroded easily. Right, okay. Yeah. So ch- chalk would be eroded easily yeah. and basalt would yeah. just stay there. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. so you'd see big jagged rocks. If it's coming from the opposite direction where you maybe got less resistance, so it erodes really easily, you'd see really nice rounded rocks, maybe even sand particles as well. Okay. Yeah. So that's all you need to know about longshore drift. That's lovely. I feel comfortable with longshore drift now. Right. Do you want to do some erosion? Tell me about... Well, I actually... Okay, I know a little bit about erosion. Erosion is, because we've discussed this before, erosion is things being worn away by the action of wind or wave or all the other bits and pieces. So I'm assuming here we're talking about the erosion of what, cliff faces? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just remember the erosion, it's not just the wearing away, it's the removal of it as well, taking it away. So it's not just taking it off the cliff face or off the structure, it's actually putting it physically somewhere else. Yeah. So there's four, four types of erosion that you need to know for the exam. There's hydraulic action, there's corrasion, which is also known as abrasion, corrosion and attrition. Okay, let's go through those yeah. one at a time. That went a bit fast for me. <laughs> Hydraulic action is the one that is, for most erosional processes, whether it's rivers or coasts, that is the one that you are going to need to mention. Okay. And it is the most violent of the erosional processes. Okay. It um, basically involves there being cracks in a, a rock or cliff face, and the water is forced into that crack, or sometimes even air is forced into it. And I always describe this as like a balloon. When you blow up a balloon, Mm -hmm. you're putting air into it, and if you put too much air into it, the balloon pops. Yeah. Well, that same thing happens with a crack. This is pressure, isn't it? Yeah, pressure. This is what we're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. the pressure builds up, and as a result, the crack can't hold it, and so it ends up blasting Mm -hmm. apart, okay? And then that's effectively your cliff eroding and it does that on a large scale it's not just little bits that are falling off it can be really big chunks that fall off um and it really affects and this is really that 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 dramatic when it happens it's sort of a right okay yeah sometimes it depends on obviously on the resistance of the rock if it's Mm. much more resistant it's going to take longer for it to to do that if it's less resistant it's going to be happening really quickly Um, the other one, abrasion, is another one that if you're in the exam and you're struggling to think about which erosional process is it, put abrasion down because you're almost guaranteed that's one that you're going to need. And that's basically the rocks are being carried by the water, part of that longshore drift process that we were mentioning, yeah. and they're being thrown at the cliff. Now you right. see more of this during destructive wave um, times because obviously you've got bigger rocks that need more energy and therefore you need the destructive waves. Doesn't, yeah. Not to say it doesn't happen with constructive waves, you just get the bigger rocks then. 
the rocks are thrown at the cliff and it chips away bits of the cliff so bits fall off yeah. and you can actually see on the beach and I, spot, I, I pointed this out to some of you on the our trip that the pebbles have actually got scratch marks on them where they've been used to attack the cliffs in that way um, so it not only affects the, the rocks that are being carried in the water, it affects the cliffs as well. So it's abrasion like, like sandpaper yeah. or... Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's yeah. that rubbing yeah. motion, yeah. yeah. Um, and then attrition, this is the one when in the lesson I get my elbows out and I have my elbows banging each other because I've got a left-handed person and a right-handed person next to each other and they're banging their elbows you, and they're getting confused. You can't see this. I'm doing action She is here. actually sitting here <laughs> banging her elbows together. It's a habit. Um, so basically, I remember this because there's two T's in attrition. And so the T's have got elbows and the T's are banging into each other, the elbows, right? And this is what's happening with the rocks. They're washing along. Stop laughing at me. They're washing along. <laughs> I've never imagined the letter T as having elbows. They before. do. You've got a little I'll take your word for it. Okay. okay. The, um, the rocks are knocking into each other. Yeah. And so because they're banging into each other, they're chipping off little bits. And so it becomes much rounder. How is that different to abrasion? Right, the, that, the difference is this is just happening as they're being carried along in the waves. They're not being thrown, Right. they're just bumping into each other. So this is something that happens in the water yeah. rather than happening to the cliff. Yeah. This is and I this say. doesn't have to be just in a destructive wave. It's at all times yeah. this is happening, okay? And it's making and the, it smaller and more. And this is how you end up with your pebbles? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. okay. And then the last one, corrosion, you can't actually see this happening very well. They're, Flamborough Head is a really good example to go and see this because the rocks there have got, if you look at the pebbles, they've got little um, holes in them mm-hmm. and they look like someone's been, um, well, dissolve, well, effectively dissolving them. They've got um Is this because there's different types of rock or is that? Because chalk is more susceptible to right. the corrosion. So basically there's acid in the water yeah. and the acid is reacting with the rock and it forms these little holes in the rock where it's dissolved it. Mm. Sometimes you won't see those holes, that's just... Um, for the chalk but in other places you'll just see that it's quite smooth over the surface and it's got little ridges in those it. very organic yeah. shapes yeah yeah and um, that's because of the acid in the water right and you can't actually physically see that happening it just happens it's like your, your sugar you don't see it dissolving in your cup yeah. of tea it just happens and so those are your different erosional processes just something to remember with this is that every time you mention an erosional process in your exam you need to say how it works to be able to get the full marks okay so every single time if if i mention attritional erosion yeah. i have to just put in yeah. a sentence saying this is where yeah. uh, they're banged together yeah. in the water yeah. and it doesn't have to be loads of detail not like a full paragraph just yeah. one simple statement and even if Say you've mentioned one of the erosional processes in the rivers section. I'm sorry, you've got to do it again in the coast section to get. So that's, that's simply just making sure that you explain it yeah. every time it comes yeah. up. Okay, top yeah. tip. Top yeah. Tip. Um, so that makes different process, um, well, different features along the coast. So this is where we're going to get onto our headlands and bays, your wave cut platforms. Um, your stacks, arches and stumps. Oh, there, yeah. Loads right, of okay. different things. All right. Now, some of these I've seen. Yes. Right? So let me see if I can work this out. An arch is where um, a bit of the cliff has eroded through yeah. and you're left with basically like the arch of a bridge. Yeah. And if I'm right, then a stack is when the actual arch falls down and yeah. you're left with one leg of it stuck yeah. out. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's all yeah. I've got. I, that's I all we need. Before we can even get there, we need to know about headlands. Okay. Okay. Now, really good example of a headland, if you've forgotten what one looks like, Scarborough Castle headland, mm-hmm. you go up to the top floor, C5, C6, 
seven are you in? I'm in C8. C8, sorry. You can get a brilliant view of the headland yeah. if you have somehow managed to forget what that is. Um, these are actually farmed... Can we define a headland as a sticky out bit? Yes, Okay. they lovely. are. Um, these are farmed on discordant coastlines. There's another key word for you. Okay, discordant. Yes, and this is basically where you have got bands of hard and soft rock next to each other at right yeah. angles to the sea. So and so the soft rock erodes and the hard rock doesn't, yes. leaving a sticky out bit. Yeah. Ah. Right, I'm going to give you a perfect answer here for the exam because these answers are all point marked. So the examiner is looking at your answer to look for specific keywords and key yeah. phrases in there. Yeah. And they're not fussed about whether you presume that they know something about it. They're fussed about the order and they are fussed about the words, the language that you're using in there. So I'm just going to give you a, an example answer okay. for this. So on a discordant coastline where you've got bands of more resistant and less resistant rock, for example, chalk being the less resistant and granite as the more resistant, um, the discordant coastline erodes at different rates. So the harder, more resistant rock will erode much slower mm -hmm. as it is more resistant to the erosion by hydraulic action, which is the trapping of the water or air in, in the cracks. cracks. Yeah. Um, and the, therefore you are left with a bit of rock that sticks out into the sea, known as your headland. Mm -hmm. Your bay is formed where you've got the um, soft, less resistant rock. So in this case, it was the chalk mm -hmm. that gets eroded at much faster rate, rate because um, it is less resistant. It can't fight off the erosion, and therefore um, it erodes back into the into the land and they formed a bay. So it's much further, sets further back um, behind the headland. Okay. okay? It, it seems to me like the the key thing for this then is that concept of resistance. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing, yeah. as you've got to remember yeah. that the different rocks have the different levels of resistance yeah. and some could be one When away. we've done this in class, some of you will remember that you've marked the answers, you've done it as a peer assessment or self-assessment, you've looked at the example answer and you've all said to me, but I put it was hard rock, I said it was soft rock. They haven't explained, that's yeah. your problem. You don't say that the reason why being hard or soft affects the the shape of the coastline you you need to say that it's more resistant therefore it can't erode easily it's less resistant therefore it erodes easily if anybody who's listening to this has actually done that she does actually look angry right now at me <laughs> as though i'm the one who hasn't been explaining resistance in my exam i would suggest you make sure you do that so she doesn't look like that at you um so we've got the resistance pulling the different bits and pieces away yeah Okay, so we've we've ended up with a headland, a sticky out bit. Yeah. We've ended up with a bay. Do you always end up with a bay on either side of a headland, or do you? It depends do you... on the rock type. Of it's usually it does, yes. yeah. it's usually that you've got a bay on either side, but yeah. obviously it depends on the rock type. If you've got um, more resistant rock, you'll end up with a bay on one side yeah. or the other. Okay, yeah. fair, fair enough. All right, yeah. lovely. So then, how does our headland become an arch or a stack? Okay, first of all, we need to get across the fact that on a headland there are going to be cracks all over it, and we need to know where those cracks come from. And that is to do with weathering. So when you mentioned earlier about the wearing away the rocks, that's yeah, weathering. Right. Um, so we're not actually removing the rocks at this stage. We just want some cracks. And the cracks are there either because of 
physical weathering, which is when um, mm. water gets into cracks and freezes um, and breaks off rocks and forms new cracks. Remember, water expands when it freezes and that's what causes the cracks. I know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other one can be biological weathering. So you've got birds, for example. This is a oh, really, really good yeah, place yeah. to see. This. Again, Flamborough, maybe you need to do a little trip down to Flamborough to see all this and show your parents and teach them all of this. Um, you can see the puffins have burrowed into the cliffs and when they've burrowed, they've actually um, created cracks in the cliff because it's weakened it. And it's the same with rabbits, they do the same thing, they're making burrows. Right. But it can also, with the biological weathering, be down to the um, the faeces from the bird because it's got acids in it. Yeah, which, highly acidic and chalk and yeah. Yeah, so that can be chemical weathering which also creates cracks. Okay. So the cracks form because of the weathering. And then is it a matter of hydraulic? Yes, nice. hydraulic and abrasion yeah. are going to erode those cliff, uh, cliffs, cracks, to form caves. Yeah. So you're going to get an opening in the cliff. You can't get all the way through it. It might be a small cave at first. It yeah. might be a really deep one. It just depends on how long it's been eroded. And again, the rate of that erosion depends on the geology and the type of So this, this really is a process that you can sort of, it, you know, it starts with the cracks and then you've yeah. got a cave and yeah. then presumably it wears through to you've got an arch yeah. and right eye Again, so. if you do a little trip to Flamborough, you can go down and you can actually see the, um, the cracks, the caves, the arches and the stacks and then eventually the stumps. You can see right. all that process happening. Would it be worthwhile as part of my revision if I was to actually draw yeah. like a flow chart yeah. of it's this and it's this yeah. and it's well, this and get that process? They, you actually need to know the diagram for this. Right, okay. Um, now, your diagram, I obviously can't describe really over um, a recording, but if you are unsure, you can look in your book, you can look in your revision guide or you can come and see us and we will draw it out for you. Um, or you can look online, um, if you just search um, cave stack and arch formation yeah. on Google, it will all pop up. You need to know that diagram. The diagram's relatively simple. It shows a cliff sticking out into the sea. Uh, at one edge of it, you can see a crack. You can then see the crack opening into a cave as it moves further along. And eventually you can see an arch. And then you can see where the arch has collapsed, leaving a stack. And then you can see the tiny bit sticking out yeah. of the water, which is your stump. Yeah. It does make the process very, yeah. very clear. Some people prefer to actually um, do annotations with their diagram. So you can do this in the exam as long as it's a, um, with the use of a diagram question, then yeah. you can do that. It's uh, it's very rare that you would see that question without a use of a diagram. Okay. okay? So some of you will actually find it easier to do the step-by-step -step pictures of what's going on yeah. and do your information with it. And, and do it in that way. It. Yeah, yeah, annotate yeah. it. Don't just do labels, you must annotate it. Okay. Um, so your cave, as we said, forms because of hydraulic action and abrasion. Once again, remember to actually explain what hydraulic action and abrasion is. Yeah. I'm not going to say it again because we've already said it a million times today. Um, what then happens with a cave? It continues to erode deeper into the headland and there could be another cave on the op opposite side of the headland and the two meet. Yeah. And as a result, you end up with an arch. Yeah. Now that arch, again, will continue to erode because of hydraulic action and abrasion and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger and it will no longer be able to support itself. Mm -hmm. So it becomes top heavy and gravity acts on it. There yeah. you go, another key term, gravity must say that. And so it collapses into yeah. the sea below and you are left with your stack. Now this is when the erosional processes change. That stack is quite often out at sea for most of the day so there's water usually around it all day, or okay, for part yeah, yeah, of the yeah. day, okay? So they, they generally don't tend to be above the high tide no. line, they will be, right? Some are, it's not okay. that they're not always, but quite a lot of them are stuck out at sea. Right. So 
they've always got water in contact with the bottom of the stack mm -hmm. and so as a result you get corrosion happening here mm -hmm. so this is where we're getting the dissolving of the rock and effectively you stack if you were to look at it get rid of all the water you'd have a wide bit that's sticking out above the water yeah. and then where the water level is it actually goes in and i'm trying to do di it's, it, a, it's a nice isosceles <laughs> triangle with the wide bit at the top uh, like a, like a slice of pie with yeah. a wide bit at the top yeah. as it narrows down to the bottom yeah. where it's been corroded yeah. by the sea. And I am t for those of you who are wondering, I am doing actions which I'm aware you can't she, see. She is flapping like a bird yeah. that's having some sort of a fit. Anyway, so that's your stack. And so because it becomes top-heavy again, again you're going to get gravity acting on it. It can't support itself and it topples over and forms your stump. So the bit yeah. you're left with is... Well, it's a combination. You can be your stack that hasn't quite eroded away yet, that's fallen over, or it can be the bit left underneath the stack, which okay. is stump. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. So that's all that you need to know for that. Just again, remember to explain the meaning of the erosional processes. Obviously, you don't need to do that for every step in it. You'd, once you've mentioned hydraulic action and explained it, when you say it again in that answer, you yeah, don't yeah. need to explain it. But when it. you come on to the corrosion, you would have to yeah. explain that. All yeah, right. definitely. Okay. Right, final erosional feature. Okay. Wave cut platforms and notches. And unfortunately, this is one that a lot of you stress about. Okay. And it's actually not that difficult. All right. Okay, so it, let's assume that I've got this far. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with everything else we've yeah. talked about. Okay. I'm assuming that this connects with the rest of it. Yes. So what 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 is... A, I've even forgotten the name. Wave what? cut notch and a wave cut platform. Right. Which one's the easiest one for us to start with? Well, we have to start with about. a wave cut notch to be able okay. to understand the platform. Right. Um, these actually form on concordant coastlines. So concordant is, is opposite. Is the same rock? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's the same rock. Yeah. So it's the opposite of the discordant. So we have yeah. not got multiple rock types, just got one rock type. Okay. Um, so can I just double check then? That would mean that this would not naturally form a headline. Yes. Right, okay. It's physically impossible. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what type of rock it is. The only way that you wouldn't get a wave cut notch or a platform is if you've just got boulder clay and no other uh, bedrock that's exposed to the sea at that point. Okay. okay? Um, just because boulder clay, when it comes into water, in contact with water, it just... It turns into a muddy sludge that runs down onto the beach and then it just gets washed away. That would be like Kate and Bay. Yeah, Kate That's, and Bay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you want to see that on after a day when it's been raining, you can actually see it physically um, moving down the, the cliff. Yeah. So you don't see that with the boulder clay. Um, basically, we'll stick with the chalk because it's local, Flamborough. Um, you have your cliff and you've got high tide and low tide. And obviously at high tide, your water is at the top of your beach. Okay. Okay, and it's therefore in contact with your cliff. Now, usually. Say that to me again. So at high tide, yeah, the water's all the way up the beach, and it's in contact, contact with the base of the cliff. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Obviously, not all beaches have cliffs. It's the only way you've yeah, got yeah. a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it's in contact with the cliff, you're always going to have water at the bottom of the cliff, even if it's destructive or constructive waves, there's always going to be water at the so bottom of the cliff. So we're talking about corrosion here? Yeah, we are, right, corrosion okay. here. Now obviously you're going to get some abrasion and hydraulic action, but corrosion is a big one. And so you're going to get more erosion at the bottom of the cliff than you would do at the top of the cliff. And the reason for that is because, yes, you get destructive waves that could reach high up onto the cliff, mm -hmm. but a lot of the time you've got constructive waves that do not reach that area. Okay. okay? So it erodes much slower than the base of it. As a result, you're going to get a notch farming where the cliff started eroding inwards, and that's your wave cut notch. 
Okay. Yeah, you yeah. stand into high so tide mark. Yeah, it's an undercut. It's an undercut. Yeah. Yeah, and this is only happening at high tide. Obviously, you can't do it at low tide because yeah. the, the water's not in contact with it. Now, over time, that notch will deepen because it's mm. going to get more abrasion, more hydraulic action, more corrosion. Yeah. Um, and so eventually, the overhang above. So this is the cliff that's hanging it's, above the notch. Gravity's going to act on it and it's going to mm-hmm. fall down. Yeah, and that's because it can't support itself. Yeah. Good use of the key term there with the gravity. Ah, uh, <laughs> um, When it falls down, that material is going to be eroded by attrition. Yeah. And it'll eventually disappear. Mm-hmm. And you are left with the base of the cliff. Yes. Okay, and the reason why I've got the base of that cliff... It's because that area hasn't been in contact with the water. Actual wave. It's yeah, the wave, the, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, under the waves. Yeah. So we haven't got any erosion, hasn't got any energy there. Yeah. Okay, and that is your wave cut platform. And that's uh, sticking out under yeah. the surface, and we will end up with a cliff, say, 200, 100 metres back yeah. from where it yeah. was, and there will st- still be a notch, I assume. That's going to continue yeah. the process, isn't it? Yeah. Will it just keep... Keep doing that until the geology changes. Right, okay. Now, really good place to see this, Robin Hood's Bay. You could even go okay. down to the South Bay, go beyond the spar, go towards um, Hill, Holbeck Hill, and you will see that there is um, a smaller wave cut platform there. Okay. But really good place to go is Robin Hood's Bay. Right. Just be careful if you do go on the rocks, they are slippery. But um, it's really good to see that, because you can actually see where the coastline used to be yeah. and how far it's eroded back. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. So that's your wave cut notch and your wave cut platform. So that's everything then? That's everything. And all of those things are basically linked by those types of erosion, aren't yeah. they? That's what's that's what's doing all of that stuff. Because yeah. Yeah. the destructive waves and the uh, constructive waves are taking the material away. That then gives it the material to do the attrition yeah. and to do, yeah, okay, yeah. I see. Right, yeah. okay. So how will this... Let's deal with it in two parts, because you said that this is partially going to be in the coursework. uh, coursework. So how is this going to impact in my coursework? Okay, so the coursework-wise, you need to know about the wave types, the constructive and the destructive waves. You've got to know how they work, because they form different types of beaches, and the processes that you need are looking at the beach profile of the the areas that you visited, Okay. Okay, the gradient of the beach. And one of the questions focuses on what type of waves create that. Okay? Yeah. And you've got to be able to explain that. You also need to know about longshore drift because the longshore drift affects the material that you see on the beach. Yes. That you're seeing. Okay. Because obviously yes. the direction determines which geology yeah. you've got. Um, and then you need to maybe know a little bit about, um, well, you, know, you need to know your erosional processes, mm-hmm. definitely your attrition for the, the shape of the rocks. Yeah. Maybe a bit about the headlands and bays because you've got Flamborough up the, the coast and at Scarborough you're in a bay as well. You've got to know how those processes happen yeah. to be able to understand why you've got the particular features you have in those areas. The other fo- other features that we've looked at, the erosional um, processes with the wave cut platforms and the archer stacks and bays, you need that for your exam. All of this is needed for your exam, but yeah. not all of this is for coursework. Okay, so let's now, that's the coursework then. Let's talk about the exam. What kind of questions am okay. I liable to get that involve this stuff? With the constructive and destructive waves, it's usually a comparison question. So they want you to compare the destructive wave 
with the con uh, constructive wave. Yeah. So you just need to know your characteristics and you have to make sure you use a comparative language, which is again the point marking you want. So you need words like whereas, however, in comparison, mm -hmm. on the other hand, um, and you just need to know your features. Right. They could also show you a diagram of a wave and you have to annotate the, the diagram and or use the, the information on the diagram to help you discuss what type of wave it must be. Okay. okay? Yeah. Um, in terms of the erosional processes, you only need to know what they mean and use them in your um, explanation yeah. of the, the features. You would never get asked a question as such as, like, um, explain what hydraulic action is. Yeah. Foundation, you might be given a question where you are um, told that there's been some erosion. Uh, and asked to identify which one yeah, it is. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, but you wouldn't get that on the higher paper. Yeah. Um, the headlands and bays, um, you would be asked to explain how they are formed, and they tend to be quite small questions, maybe three marks on the paper, yeah. because obviously there isn't a lot to really say about it. You need to just get across the fact that you've got different rock types, you've got um, different rates of erosion, and your type of erosion that you yeah. get, and the features that you form. Um, in terms of your wave cut platforms, you're probably looking at maybe a format question. Again, you need to know the diagram for this. Mm -hmm. You need to know the diagram for all of them. Yeah. It's just more for annotating purposes. You don't have to use a diagram unless they specifically said use a diagram. Um, but, you know, for some of you, you're better learning with a visual and so yeah. therefore you feel like you don't miss any of the processes out. Um, you need to know the full details for it, so the erosional processes that form it, and you've got to make sure you get the right order. Don't go into explaining what the wave cut platform is when you haven't actually explained how the, the wave notch, cut platform yeah. yeah, the notch, yeah. I think, uh, as a general point, I would just say at this point that um, diagrams for revision are a brilliant idea yeah. because when you are in the exam, it is easier to remember a single picture yeah. than it is to remember yeah. a chunk of notes. Um, also, what some of you have done this with me is that in the lesson as a starter, I've just given you some plain paper and I've said, right, diagram for yeah. headlands at base. And you've just had to get on with it and draw the diagram without yeah. any help and get the information on it. Keep doing that over yeah. and over again because then you get it stuck in your head and then you remember the order that things need to go in. And if you haven't quite got the order right, you can still get the information on and then number it, mm -hmm. cross out your numbers maybe and get the numbers right. And then you've still got the logical yeah. order. That's and good. that's easier than you writing all that and thinking, oh, I haven't got it all in there that, properly. That will be another top tip. Yes, that will be a top tip. Yeah. Um, your caves, arches and stacks. Again, this would be a four-mark question, maybe even a six-mark question. Um, they've started doing the six-mark questions for some of the processes. I don't think you could do six marks on headlands and bays or cliffs and wake-up platforms, but I do think you could do it on stacks and stumps just because there's a lot more information there. Um, yeah. There's more processes, and I would just make sure that you really go into detail about that, um, the type of uh, rocket is, uh, the erosion uh, processes that you get. Mm -hmm. Even throw in that term, the discordant coastline, um, the fact that you can't get this on a concordant coastline, yeah. um, and really, really explain it. Um, that They've just started doing those sort of questions, and it caught people out before. And it's something just to be aware of. Don't panic, just treat it as a format question, but just make sure you've got the extra detail in, yeah. in your answer. All right. Lovely. Well, Lovely. I certainly feel an awful lot more comfortable about it. And mm -hmm. if I understand it, then there's a good chance that the people listening to the podcast do. We'll understand it, yeah. yeah. Good. I okay. think you've done well with it. I'm, 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 I'm quite good. I'll be able to do my job for GCSE. 
you know, when, when I lose the will to live. Oh, thanks. Uh, I hope that's been useful for you. If you've got any questions, as usual, ask. So thank you very much for listening, and good luck in your exams. <laughs>